In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at Sira Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to seerahintensive.com to register and for more information. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Asiratul Nabawiyya, the prophetic biography. In the last couple of sessions, we've been discussing and talking about the battle of the trench, Ghazwatul Ahzab, also known as the battle of the allied armies. Ghazwatul Ahzab or Ghazwatul Khandaq, the battle of the trench, the battle of the allied armies. So we, in the last couple of sessions, we discussed and talked about exactly what led up to the battle, the uh, plan that was hatched by some of the leaders of Banu Nadir and Banu Qaynuqa who were ousted from Medina, exiled from the city of Medina because they violated the constitution of the city of Medina. And then they got together with some of the um, Arab tribes of the north from Qatfan. They also uh, were able to recruit the Quraysh who of course had a very long-standing uh, issue, continuous issue uh, with the Muslims and the Prophet ﷺ in the city of Medina. So they were able to put together this entire army and march on their way towards the city of Medina. We talked about how the Prophet ﷺ, after consultation, based on the suggestion of Salman al-Farisi anhu, they dug a trench on the exposed side of the city of Medina. Of course, there were mountains securing a certain side, but they dug a trench. And we talked about some of the miraculous events and the beautiful brotherhood and sisterhood and community and the strength of faith and conviction that was displayed by the Prophet of course, but also by the Sahaba, the Muslims, the companions of the Prophet in the digging of this trench and the enduring of all the difficulty and all the adversity that they were dealing with in terms of hunger and uh, a lack of financial resources, the imminent approach of a very overwhelming enemy. And in the face of all of this, they displayed not only just simply courage, but also more importantly, faith and belief, Iman. What we're going to talk about today is after the trench was dug and the army, this allied army, arrived outside of the trench, outside of the city of Medina, basically what happened at that time and what were some of the interactions. Now, I'm going to remind myself and everyone uh, who's here or listening of the importance and the significance of context. So. Even though this might be something that you've heard before, and I know for a fact I've mentioned it a number of times, but it is very important to remind ourselves and to also, because we're starting from the middle here of the story, so I wouldn't want somebody to just be listening to this to not be aware of the context. That a lot of times what has transpired, and this is very unfortunate, and it actually is a disservice to our deen, it's a disservice to the Qur'an, it's a disservice to the life of the Prophet ﷺ, the prophetic biography, the seerah. When we, out of context, tell stories or narrate stories about battles or about confrontation, about such and such person killing such and such person, and this person killed that person, and we describe scenarios, fierce scenarios from the battlefield, and we almost pull them out of their context and present them like a highlights. What that does is that takes away the entire context. <clears throat> and the negative outcome of that is twofold. Number one, in the minds of many young or impressionable Muslims who might not be fully grounded in their faith and their iman and the history of their deen and their religion, they can start to develop an idea or walk away with the impression that Islam 
that a core part of Islam or something very admirable or notable in Islam is to basically be bloodthirsty, uh, to go on a rampage, killing people, and that that somehow is some very notable, glorified, heroic notion of Islam. And that's very deeply problematic. The second danger of approaching things without context, where we almost present like a highlight reel from the battlefield, and that is the life of the Prophet ﷺ. That's the seerah. This sahabi killing that guy, and this sahabi killing that guy, and this sahabi killing four guys in the battlefield, and that's it. That also in the minds of non-Muslims, it also portrays the complete opposite impression of what people actually felt when they interacted with the Prophet ﷺ. People walked away with this overwhelming sense of mercy and compassion and empathy and forgiveness and kindness and generosity and gentleness. Allah describes the Prophet ﷺ as soft and gentle. Right? Azizun anitu. Right? He's described as being very empathetic. And so it, it really distorts the image of Islam. And I, I'll be the first to admit that there are people out there in our world today who are not interested in the context, who are picking and choosing what they highlight and what they emphasize from our history. And they will take things out of context in order to vilify Muslims, to vilify Islam. There's no doubting that. Absolutely there will be those people. But those people by and far will be a minority of the people. And the majority of the people are in search of truth. And so we do a disservice to them, we do a disservice to ourselves, we do a disservice to our deen, when we do not understand context. So just, I won't spend a lot of time in this because the, the folks that are regularly either following along with the series or attending on a regular basis, that you know, I don't want to waste your time and I want to move forward with the narrative and the incident of the Battle of the Trench. But I will spend a minute or two just reminding ourselves of the context here. This is happening in the fifth year of Hijrah, the fifth year of the Prophet ﷺ's residence in the city of Medina. That means this is 18 years after the Prophet ﷺ received revelation. So for 18 years, for the first 13 years in Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, and anyone who would dare to empathize with them and support them, were, were ridiculed, they were mocked, they were belittled, they were tortured, they were murdered, they were assassinated, kicked out of their homes, chased out of their own homes. That was their life for 13 years. Then when they leave their homes and their families behind and they go to the city of Medina, they're not left alone there. They're constantly harassed and pursued, and people come after them. And they're sneaking, they're spying, they're scouting the city of Medina. They're they're conducting raids on the city of Medina. They're trying to pick off Muslims and trying to still kill Muslims wherever they can find them. And not once but twice they have marched entire armies in the direction of the city of Medina. The battle of Badr. The battle of Uhud happened right outside the city of Medina. So this is their context. Now, two years after the battle of Uhud, what happens now? They they get together a force, and we're going to read about it, but I'll go ahead and mention it now. They gather a force of 10,000 people. 10,000 soldiers. That might not sound like a big deal to somebody today. Right? Somebody might say, what, well, the Cowboys game, there's 90,000 people. Right? Well, what's 10,000 people? But when you think about it from a historical perspective, and you understand the circumstances at that time, and how numbers worked back then, an army of 10,000 is huge and very overwhelming, and very difficult to overcome. They gather together an army of 10,000, and they march right up to the city of Medina with every intent to murder every single person in the city of Medina, to pillage the city of Medina, and burn it to the ground. And the Muslims are so overwhelmed, and so outnumbered, and in such a state of just physical, not, not spiritual, not spiritual or psychological or emotional, but physical. They're in such a, physically, they're in such a state of weakness 
that they have no choice but to stay within Medina, dig a trench around Medina, and just fortify themselves inside the city, and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save them. That's the context. There is a bloodthirsty, hungry, ruthless army that outnumbers them, you know, three to one, four to one, camped out outside their city, waiting for the first opportunity to come there and murder every single one of them, men, women, children, everybody. That's the context. Now once we understand the context, now let's read exactly what happened. So Ibn Ishaq, one of the early historians and scholars of the seerah, he says that after the Prophet was done, meaning the Muslims were done digging the trench around the city of Medina, Quraysh arrived near the city of Medina, you know, uh, with 10,000 soldiers. And this was a combination of some of the Jewish tribes, the Quraysh, some of the tribes of Ghatfan, and others. They arrived outside there. The Prophet the, the trench was dug, and they, the Prophet gathered the Muslims together. That let's take a stock, let's take a count of how many fighters we have, in case if this defense plan doesn't work. And they were able to gather together 3,000 Muslims. So now, the army of 10,000, our allied army, comes outside, and the Muslim army is inside the trench, about 3,000 people, and they are camped out there at that particular time. The Prophet ﷺ, because they're on the outskirts of the city of Medina near the trench, the Prophet ﷺ ordered all the women and children to be gathered together and to be put within a few homes that could serve as kind of a fortress, as a fortification, put them inside of there. And the Prophet ﷺ left a couple of people to a couple of soldiers to guard the women and children. And he left Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum, the elderly blind Sahabi who was a Mu'addin of Medina, he left him in charge. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to this in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Ahzab, Imam al-Bukhari rahimullahu ta'ala narrates from Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, that she said, she read the ayah, إِذْ جَاءُكُمْ مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ وَمِنْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ وَإِذْ زَاغَتِ الْأَبْصَارُ وَبَلَغَتِ الْقُلُوبُ الْحَنَاجِرَ وَتَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ That, remember the time when they came from on top of you. It seemed like it was such a huge force, they were gonna crash down upon you. They were coming from behind you. They had surrounded the city of Medina. And وَإِذْ زَاغَتِ الْأَبْصَارُ That the eyes were overwhelmed. Right? Your eyes were darting in all directions, confused and dazed. It felt like your hearts were going to come up out of your throats because of the nervousness, the panic and the anxiety that you felt at that moment. And you placed your faith and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that only Allah can save us now. She said, That that was on the day of Khandaq. That that was the battle of the trench. Now, one of the things that needs to be understood because there is a, in the next session probably, we're going to talk about a very notable incident from the life of the Prophet ﷺ, something that has been the topic of much discussion. It was something that was highlighted and really, um, you can almost say, picked on by the Orientalists of Europe when they started you know, trying to refute Islam and write negative things about Islam, one of the major incidents that they would point to is called the incidents of Banu Qurayza, a Jewish tribe that lived uh, outside of the city of Medina. So before we talk about that, we need to understand what transpired at that time. So Banu Qurayza who were a part of Medina, they were part of the alliance of Medina, and they were a part, they were signatories on the constitution of Medina. They had agreed, they had sat with the Prophet ﷺ, drafted a constitution for the city of Medina, that the Muslims and the Jewish tribes were all a part of, that we will defend the city of Medina with our very last breath, this is, uh, this is home for all of us together. And if somebody attacks you, Meaning the Jewish tribes, the Muslims will come to your defense and aid. And if somebody attacks the Muslims, you will come to the defense and aid. And whoever ends up violating this agreement, right? Which means not coming to the aid of the other, right? The, your, your neighbor in the city of Medina, whoever violates these terms, will be exiled and forced out of the city of Medina. That is the, that is the penalty for the crime. Because you can no longer be trusted. You have violated the trust of your, of your, of your uh, neighbor. Right? People who occupied the city together. Th this tribe of Banu Qurayza, not only did they not hold up their end of the bargain, where they would come to the aid of 
the city of the Muslims to protect the city of Medina, but in fact they went even further unfortunately. What they ended up doing was they ended up joining the allied army against the Muslims. And so there's a very interesting uh, conversation and exchange that displays their guilt. And this is why, as we're going to talk about, Banu Quraydha never once even objected. They never once tried to say, no, 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 we didn't do it. Because this was a very deliberate decision on their part to stab the Muslims in the back and to violate the constitution of the city of Medina. So Ibn Ishaq relates that Huyay bin Akhtab al-Nadari, the leader of Banu Nadir, who had been exiled because they had tried to assassinate the Prophet ﷺ, right? And they had been exiled and he was living in Khaybar. He was the orchestrator of this entire plan. This was all his plan to create this allied army. So he comes to, when the army was arriving, he comes to Banu Quraydha, and he comes to the house of the leader of Banu Quraydha, his name was Ka'ab ibn Asad al-Quradi. He comes to, and he was one of the signatories on the constitution of Medina, he had signed that constitution. So he comes to his home, and he um, knocks on the door, and Ka'ab, the leader of Banu Quraydha refuses to open the door. He says, no, I'm not going to open it. For Huyayb, the one who is trying to attack the Muslims in Medina. He says, Wayhaq ya Ka'ab. He says, what's wrong with you, O Ka'ab? Why won't you iftahli? Open the door. He says, Wayhaq ya Huyayb. He goes, no, no, no. What's wrong with you? Innaka imru'un mash'amun. He said, you are a troublemaker. Well, I'm not opening the door for you. You're a troublemaker. You've come here to make trouble. That's nothing. Wa inni qad ahadtu Muhammadan. I have an agreement with Muhammad. I have a peace treaty with Muhammad. I have a pact with the Muslims. I don't want to violate our treaty and our terms. Why? Listen to this. He says, Because Muhammad has been nothing but honest and you know, uh, upright. He's been nothing but honest and honorable with me. I have seen nothing from Muhammad except for integrity and honesty. So I will not open the door. He says, Wayhak, iftahli, ukallimak. He says, What's wrong with you? Open the door. I just want to talk to you. And he says, Ma'ana bifa'il, I'm not going to open the door. So then he starts taunting him and teasing him. He says, Wallahi in duni illa khawfan ala jashishatik an akula ma'aka minha. He says, Oh, you're not opening the door because you don't want to share food with me. Right? And it sounds silly, but what he's basically calling him on, he's saying that you don't even have a sense of hospitality. Right? You don't even have, I'm a traveler. I'm knocking on your door, I'm hungry. I'm away from my home. You don't even have the sense to be hospitable. So at that time, he kind of called him out, called on his sensitivities. So he opens the door for him. And he says that, وَيْحَكْ يَا كَعْبَ As soon as he gets in, he says, what's wrong with you? جِئْتُكَ بِعِزِّ الدَّهْرِ وَبَحْرٍ طَامٍ I've come with you, I've come to you with an opportunity to dominate, to become the dominant force. And I've come with you with an ocean of people. He's referring to the army of 10,000. He said, I have waves upon waves upon waves of soldiers. So he says, وَمَا What are you talking about? And he says that, جِئْتُكَ بِقُرَيْشٍ عَلَىٰ قَادَتِهَا وَسَادَتِهَا حَتَّىٰ أَنزَلْتُكُمْ بِمُجْسَمِعِ الْأَسْيَالِ مِنْ رُومَىٰ وَبِغَطْفَانَ عَلَىٰ قَادَتِهَا وَسَادَتِهَا حَتَّىٰ أَنزَلْتُهُمْ بِذَنَبِي نَقْمَىٰ إِلَىٰ جَانِبِ أُحُدْ قَدْ عَاهَدُونِي وَعَاقَدُونِي عَلَىٰ أَلَّا يَبْرَحُوا حَتَّىٰ نَسْتَ I have brought Ghatfan with their leaders. Quraysh is camped down on one side of Medina. Ghatfan is camped down on another side of Medina. And we have, they have all agreed and given me their word that they will not leave here until we have uprooted. Meaning until we have destroyed Muhammad and everyone who's with him. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Ka'ab says, جِئْتَنِي وَاللَّهِ بِذِلِّ الدَّهْرِ He says, you are nothing but bad news. You've come with nothing but trouble. وَبِهِجَامٍ قَدْ هَرَاقَ مَاءَهُ You've come with this out of control plan. You've come with a force that you don't know how to control. You're asking for nothing but trouble. يُرْعِدُ وَيُبْرِقُ It's going to get out of control. وَلَيْسَ فِيهِ شَيْءٌ There's nothing here. This is not good. Nothing good will come of this. He says, وَيْحَكْ يَا حُيَيْهِ He says, please stop. Don't do this. فَدَعْنِي وَمَا أَنَا عَلَيْهِ Leave me. 
and my people and in our peace treaty with Muhammad and the Muslims. I have seen nothing from Muhammad except for honesty and integrity. He has been nothing but honest and noble and, and honorable with me. So the narration goes on that uh, another leader of Quraysh, uh, excuse me, another leader of Banu Quraydah also responds to Huyay and his offer his request to join the allied forces against the Muslims because Banu Qurayza joining them is very strategic for them because now they have an enemy within. Now they have an enemy embedded within Medina. So another leader of Banu Qurayza also rejects his advances and his offers. So finally, he says to them, إِذَا لَمْ تَنْصُرُوهُ فَتْرُكُوهُ وَعَدُوهُ So he goes on to keep saying, فَلَمْ يَزَلْ حُيَيْ بِكَعْبٍ يَفْتِلُ فِي الذَّرْوَةِ وَالْغَارِبِ حَتَّى سَمَحَ لَهُ He keeps on insisting, keeps on insisting. And the word that's used is يَفْتِلُ It means like how, do you, how you calm an animal down. That the leaders of Banu Quraydha, they're just freaked out. They're panicking. Right? So he keeps calming him down, calming him down, calming him down, until they finally start to give in. And they start to agree to violate the constitution of Medina, to break their agreement with the Prophet So finally, the leaders of Banu Quraydah, they say, لَإِنْ رَجَعَتْ قُرَيْشْ وَغَطْفًا وَلَمْ يُصِيبُ مُحَمَّدٍ أَنْ أَدْخُلَ مَعَكَ فِي حِسْنِكَ حَتَّى يُصِيبَنِي مَا أَصَابَكَ so he says that, then I want you to agree to one thing. If Quraysh and Ghatfan, they end up leaving, and they're not able to defeat Muhammad wasallam and the Muslims, then you will grant us protection. You'll take us in. Because we're violating the treaty. And if you don't end up defeating Muhammad, then we have to pay the consequences. We will be exiled from here. So then you'll take us in at that time. So he agrees, he says, yes. I promise that we'll take care of you and we'll look after you. So at that time, Ka'ab ibn Asad, he violated the treaty. Another narration also says that he said, no, I want a guarantee. I want a guarantee that you will take care of us. So at that time, Huyay, this leader of Banu Nadir, he gives him 70 of his own men. And he says, they will stay here with you, basically hostage, so that if this all goes south, if we're not able to defeat Muhammad, if Quraysh and Ghaffan end up backing out, then you have 70 of our men hostage, and you can execute them if we don't take you in and provide you safety and sanctuary. So when he finally says that, he takes the, the copy of the constitution that they had, that they were given, and he rips it up, and he announces the fact that we have violated, we have broken our agreement with the Muslims, with the Prophet ﷺ. This news reaches the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ sends two of the Ansar, the leaders of the Ansar. Their names are Sa'ad bin Mu'adh and Sa'ad bin Ubadah. Sa'ad bin Mu'adh was a leader from the, the tribe of Aus, and Sa'ad bin Ubadah was a leader of the tribe of Khazraj, Ansari tribes. And the leaders of both tribes, they were Muslims and they were people whom the Prophet ﷺ, individuals that he depended upon and he relied upon and he had a great amount of trust and confidence in. He calls the two of them. And here we see some of the leadership of the Prophet ﷺ, the genius of the Prophet ﷺ. And we also see how a leader has to be very cognizant, has to be very aware and sensitive to the situation. And a part of the responsibility of leadership and I've highlighted a lot of these lessons here in the Battle of the Trench because it's very uh, observable and very noticeable, it's very prominent here. That there might, in the middle of a difficult circumstance, another difficulty might unfold. Right? When things are already difficult, another huge tragedy, another difficulty might unfold. And it's very overwhelming. But a part of the responsibility of leadership at that time is that if you feel that the people that are following you, who are already suffering and struggling, right? that if you feel that this, this new development will crush them, it'll break them, then part of the wisdom of leadership is to protect your flock, to protect your people from this, even this information. That you bear the brunt of it, you shoulder the responsibility of it to protect their sanity. 
and make sure that you don't break them under all that pressure. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he hears this news that Banu Quraidha has violated the agreement, they're out and they joined with the forces. We now have an enemy right here on our borders. The Prophet ﷺ very quietly calls Sa'ad bin Mu'adh and Sa'ad bin Ubadah because he can trust them and they're also leaders. And, he, and, and another narration says also he calls Abdullah bin Rawaha and Khawat bin Jubayr, two other Ansari Sahaba who were also considered like amongst the leadership of the Ansar. And he says, انطلقوا حتى تأتوا هؤلاء القوم فتنظروا أحق ما بلغنا عنهم That he said, I want you to go and meet with some people from Banu Quraidha and inquire and find out if this is true, the news that I have received, that they have backed out of their agreement with us, that they're against us now. And then he says, فَإِن كَانَ حَقًّا فَالْحَنُوا لِي لَحْنًا أَعْرِفُهُ He says, if it is true that they are out, then I want you to come back to me and I want you to let me know in code. Very subtly, because there was obviously a group constantly around the Prophet ﷺ, it's the battle of the trench, right? So he said, I want you to tell me in code to confirm for me that they have in fact backed out of the agreement. And then he says, He says, do not cause more anxiety to the Muslims. Don't further weaken the Muslims, the believers. They're dealing with too much already as it is. Just let me know. But if they are still with us, they have not violated the agreement. These are just rumors that maybe the, 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 the enemy is trying to spread to cause us some anxiety, to get in our heads, that they're still with us. Then at that time, so if that's the case, that they are actually still with us, then what I want you to do in that situation is that I want you to go ahead and announce that they are in fact still with us. So at that time, so the Prophet wasallam at that time, he tells them that if in fact they are still with us, then I want you to go ahead and let everyone know that we have nothing to worry about and that the Banu Quraidha, they are still with us. There's nothing to worry about. They have remained with us in the pact and in the agreement. So the narration goes on to basically say that when Sa'ad bin Mu'ad and Sa'ad bin Ubadah when they go there and they meet with some of them and they find out that they have violated the agreement, they say, you know what, we're not with y'all anymore. We're out. And they're so upset at this fact and they try to convince them. They tell them, look, we understand this is a misjudgment on your part. You have made an incorrect choice and decision right now. Don't do this. This is not a good idea. Stay with us, remain with us. You can still re-enter into the agreement. We'll go and talk to the Prophet ﷺ that that was just a lapse in judgment, that we're okay, we're all good. And they say at that time, they say no. We don't want to rejoin the Prophet ﷺ, we don't want to go back into the agreement. So at that time, Sa'ad bin Ubadah he gets very angry and upset. And he starts, the narration says, يُشَاتِمُهُمْ He starts like, you know, getting upset with them. Like he starts cursing them out. What are you people doing? Y'all are liars and cheaters, how could you do such a thing? And he gets really, really angry with them. Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, Inna wallahi majitna lihada. He says, stop, stop, stop. We didn't come here for this. This is not why we came here. وَلِمَا بَيْنَنَا أَكْبَرْ مِنَ الْمُشَاتَمَةِ what Our issue and the affair, the issue that we're dealing with is much, much bigger than this. We don't have time to waste in, you know, back and forth with these people. So Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu lets them know. He says, listen, O Banu Quraidha, إِنَّكُمْ قَدْ عَلِمْتُمُ الَّذِي بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ يَا Banu Quraidha. You know that we had an agreement. We had a pact. وَأَنَا خَائِفٌ عَلَيْكُمْ مِثْرَ يَوْمِ بَنِ النَّذِيرِ أَوْ أَمَرَّ مِنْهُ You saw what happened with Banu Nadir when they violated the constitution. You saw what happened with them. I'm afraid the same thing or even worse will happen to you. So they said at that time, they said something very vile and inappropriate to him. They basically cursed at him. 
And the gist of it is, is that basically your father would be humiliated by you, right? And at that time he says to them, he responds to them, he says, That saying such things is not befitting to you. I thought y'all were better than this. And at that time he leaves from there. They come back to the Prophet The Prophet has been waiting their arrival. When they arrive back and the Prophet sees them and he's kind of anxious to hear what is the news, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad and Sa'ad bin Ubadah they just simply say two words to the Prophet They say, Adal wal Qara. Adal wal Qara. Adal and Qara were the names of the tribes. If you recall, we talked about it in the fourth year. We talked about it a while ago in the fourth year of Hijrah. When the Prophet had sent that group of reciters, Qurra, teachers of the Qur'an, and they were massacred by these people, the tribes that massacred them, their names were Adal and Qara. So meaning that that was a code for just like Adal and Qara betrayed us, we have once again been betrayed. They stabbed us in the back. The Prophet of Allah the narration says that the Prophet took his, like he had a shawl, when he heard this, the Prophet ﷺ lied down and he put the shawl over his face. Just kind of lied down and covered his face. Just to kind of process what's going to happen now. Right? There's an army of 10,000 surrounding the city of Medina. Thirsty for our blood. Even the, our, our neighbors who were supposed to have our back, at the very least not turn on us, They've also turned on us. And the Prophet ﷺ was very overwhelmed by this. So he lied down, he covered himself up. And the narration actually says that the Sahaba, they saw this, that Sa'ab bin Mu'ad and Sa'ab bin Urbada had just come back from Banu Qurayza, and that was a reaction of the Prophet ﷺ. And they realized this must not be good news. The Prophet ﷺ seems overwhelmed. And so people started to get kind of, you know, fidgety. Like the Sahaba started getting a little anxious. What's gonna happen? What happened? What happened? This doesn't look good. This doesn't sound good. The Prophet sat up, removed the cloth from his face, and he said, Abshiru bi fatihillahi wa Congratulations. Victory and help from Allah is coming. And the Prophet of Allah at that time, he made dua that Allahumma inni as'aluka ahdak wa wa'adak Allahumma in tasha' la tu'bad That, oh Allah, I ask you for your, pro- for your assistance and your promise of help. And, oh Allah, if you want, then you will not be worshipped in the earth anymore. Meaning, oh Allah, I ask you to protect us and aid us but if you want to destroy us, then you, you are Allah. That's what you can do. But I ask you to help us and protect us. In another narration, so at that time when this whole interaction happens, some of the munafiqun, some of the hypocrites in the city of Medina who were constantly causing problems and issues, they started talking now. This gave them their opening to talk. And more than cause any type of you know, uh, confusion to the Muslims, they would only expose themselves in these situations. While the Muslims banded together and started buckling down and making dua and standing by the side of the Prophet these people, they would just start making more and more trouble. Right? So, and they would end up exposing themselves. So one of the hypocrites, he said at that time, he said, his name was Mu'atib ibn Qushayr, he said, Kana Muhammad, يَعِدُنَا أَن نَأْكُلَ كُنُوزَ كِسْرَ وَقَيْسَرَ Muhammad tells us that Islam will spread as far as the, Rome, uh, the Roman and the Persian Empire. وَأَحَدُنَا الْيَوْمْ لَا يَأْمَنْ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ أَنْ يَذْهَبَ إِلَى الْغَائِطِ And we can't even go to the restroom without worrying about getting killed. Another Aus ibn Qaydi, another one of the hypocrites, he comes to the Prophet ﷺ and he says, Ya Rasulullah, إِنَّ بُيُوتَنَا عَوْرَةٌ مِنَ الْعَدُو he says that our homes are exposed now. Our families are in danger now. 
And so we need to go home. We're not going to stand here and fight with you. We're going to go and protect our own families. And at that time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the Qur'an, وَإِذْ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ That remember when the hypocrites, they said, and those people whose hearts were infected with hypocrisy and disbelief, مَا وَعَدَنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِلَّا غُرُورًا These promises that God and His Messenger made to us are nothing but lies. وَإِذْ قَالَتْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ يَا أَهْلَ يَثْرِبْ Remember when a group of them said, O oh, people of Yathrib, referring to Medina by its old name, trying to say that it was better before Muhammad and his people came here. لا مقام لكم Why are you here? There's no point of you being here. فرجعوا Go back home. وَيَسْتَأْذِنُ فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ And another group of them comes and pretends, they say and they, they ask, they pretend like they're asking for permission. They say, يَقُولُونَ إِنَّ بُيُوتَنَا عَوْرَةٌ Our families are in danger. And Allah says, وَمَا هِيَ بِعَوْرَةٍ إِنْ يُرِيدُنَا إِلَّا فِرَارًا Their families were not in danger. These people wanted nothing but to run away from the action, to run away from the battlefield. So this is all happening at the same time. And the army has arrived outside the city of Medina, encamped outside of there. The narrations say that they stayed for 20 plus days, nearly a month, qariba min shahr. Ibn Ishaq says they stayed for almost a month, camped out outside of the trench. And there was no extensive hand-to-hand combat, there was no open field fighting, except for arrows just being exchanged. They were just shooting arrows across at one another. And Again, we see the leadership of the Prophet ﷺ and his compassion. After a number of days, a week, two weeks, and the Prophet ﷺ saw that the Muslims were really struggling. The Prophet ﷺ felt such you know, pain for the, the condition of the believers. That the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he sent an emissary, he sent a messenger from him to two of the leaders of Ghatfan. Ghatfan was one of the three forces, now four, that had basically combined in this army against the Muslims. And they were a huge part of the army, like a third of their army. The Prophet ﷺ sent a message to two, the two leaders of Ghatfan. Alright, their names were Uyayna uh, ibn Hisn and Al-Hadith ibn Auf al-Murri. He sent a message to them, and he said that, I will give you a third of the crop of Medina. All the dates that grow here in Medina, and Medina was known for growing dates. He said, we will give you a third of all the growth, all the crop, the harvest of the city of Medina. If you, as, as an agreement, if you will leave this army and retreat back to where you're from to lessen the numbers and maybe start to weed, start to kind of chip away at the strength of this army and maybe start to break some of their convictions. And the Prophet ﷺ was just looking for a way to ease some of the situation of the Muslims. So they took them the message and there was some conversation going back and forth. So much so that they started drafting the leaders of Ghatfan. They liked the offer, there was a lot of money. And see that's the difference here that the believers were there defending their belief, their iman, their faith. They were fighting for Allah and His Messenger. These people were there not really fighting for something they believed in. So they were very persuaded by this. And they started drafting the contract and the agreement. While all this was going on, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad and Sa'ad bin Ubadah, again, the two leaders of the Ansar, they heard about this. So they came to the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ told them, look, this is what's going on, this is the offer that I've made to them, and they're willing to accept the offer. What do you all think? Should we finalize the agreement? They said something really remarkable at that time. They said, Ya Rasulullah, Amran tuhibbuhu fatasna'ahu, am shay'an amarakallahu bihi, la buddha lana min al-amli bihi. They said, O Messenger of God, if you're doing this because this is what you have decided is the best thing in this situation, alright, then, or this has come as a direct command from Allah, like either you are informing us of your decision, number one, or this is a part of revelation, then we will do exactly what you're saying. We will help you finalize the agreement, we will gather the harvest, we will do whatever it is that you're telling us. أَنْ شَيْءً تَصْنَعُهُ لَنَا because they knew 
their beloved Messenger ﷺ. They knew him. They said, or is this something that you're doing because you feel bad for us? Because you can't watch us in, in pain and in difficulty. Is that why you're doing this? The Prophet ﷺ, because he was talking to the, these two and he had a lot of confidence in them. He said, بَلْ شَيْءٌ أَصْنَعُهُ لَكُمْ This is something I'm doing because I can't watch all of you suffer the way I have been. وَاللَّهِ مَا أَصْنَعُ ذَلِكَ إِلَّا أَنِّي رَأَيْتُ الْعَرَبَ قَدَ رَمَتْكُمْ عَنْ قَوْسٍ وَاحِدًا وَكَالَبُوكُمْ مِنْ كُلِّ جَانِبٍ فَأَرَدْتُ أَنْ أَكْسِرَ عَنْكُمْ مِنْ شَوْكَتِهِمْ إِلَىٰ أَمْرٍ مَا The Prophet ﷺ said, because I swear to Allah, I never would have done something like this. I would not do this. But I've seen, I can't watch any longer all of these people get together and attack you from one united front. And uh, you know, enclose in on you from all sides. So I want to try to chip away at their force any way that I can to bring you some type of ease. Sa'ad bin Mu'adh a remarkable, remarkable individual. And we're going to read about, we're going to learn a lot more about him. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Messenger of God, وَقَدْ كُنَّا وَهَاؤُلَاءِ الْقَوْمَ عَلَى الشِّرْكِ بِاللَّهِ وَعِبَادَةِ الْأَوْثَانِ We know these people from Ghatfan. They're mushrikun, idol worshippers. We used to be mushrikun, idol worshippers. We know them. لَا نَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ وَلَا نَعْرِفُهُ We didn't used to worship Allah. We didn't know who Allah was. But even back then at that time when we were mushrikun just like them, وَهُمْ لَا يَتْمَعُونَ أَنْ يَأْكُلُوا مِنْهَا تَمْرَةً وَاحِدَةً إِلَّا قِرًا أَوْ بَيْعًا They knew that they couldn't mess with us. Even back in the days of Jahiliyyah, back when we were mushrikun, idol worshippers just like them, they knew that they couldn't mess with us. They knew that they could never lay a finger on one of our dates unless they came and they bought them from us. We made them pay. And we made them pay a hefty price. Right? We didn't allow ourselves to be pushed around by these people. He says, أَفَحِينَ أَكْرَمَنَ اللَّهُ بِالْإِسْلَامِ وَهَدَانَا لَهُ وَأَعَزَّنَا بِكَ وَبِهِ نُعْطِيهِمْ أَمْوَالَنَا But now that God, Allah has honored us with Islam, and Allah has guided us to the truth, and Allah has strengthened us by giving us you, O Messenger of Allah, and by giving us Islam and the Qur'an, now we'll give up our property and our food and our wealth to them? Now we'll grovel in front of them? مَا لَنَا بِهَذَا مِنْ O Messenger of Allah, unless you decide otherwise, we don't need to do anything like that. We are not in need of that. وَاللَّهِ لَا نُعْطِيهِمْ إِلَّا سَيْفِ the only thing we offer to them is the sword. They can go back home, safe and sound. They can go back home and we'll go back home. But if they want anything, the only thing they're gonna get if they come here is our swords. That's all they're gonna find here. God will decide what happens. The Prophet said, Anta wadaka. He says, Saad, pardon my translation. But Anta Wadaka, he basically says, Saad, you're the man. Right? He says, Saad, you. That's exactly what I would expect from you. The Prophet was so pleased at his conviction. And Saad bin Mu'adh, he took the contract that they had sent over, and he basically voided the contract and sent it back to them, said, thanks but no thanks. We rescind our offer. We are no longer interested. At that same time, there were a few other interactions that I'll just mention very briefly and then inshallah I'll conclude with that. While the armies were camped out, the Muslims inside the trench, the allied armies, the disbelievers outside the trench, everybody was growing kind of antsy, especially on the side of the disbelievers. So a few of them got together. Um, some of the individuals, Amr ibn Abdwud, who was known as a very uh, fierce warrior, uh, Ikrama, the son of Abu Jahl, Hubayra, the son of Abu, uh, Abu Wahab, and a few others, they got together and they said that, why don't we get our horses and try to make it through the trench? Let's do something. 
So they said, okay. So they went back, they got a running start to come, they found the narrowest part of the trench and they got a running start and they started running towards the trench. And when they tried to get over the trench, the narration says that one of them, Amr bin Abdiwud, he actually made it over the trench. And he arrived there and he started proclaiming, who will fight me, who will fight me? Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu came forward and he said that, Ya Amr, in kunta ahadta allaha la yad'uka rajulan min Quraysh ila ihda khallatayn illa akhattaha minhu. Qala ajal. So he said that, look, O oh Amr, I'm going to make you an offer, something that's good for you. And he said, فَإِنِّي أَدْعُوكَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَإِلَى رَسُولِهِ وَإِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ I ask you to believe in Allah, to believe in the Messenger of Allah, to embrace Islam. I'm telling you. He says, لا حاجة لي بذلك. I don't need that. So then he said, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, فَإِنِّي أَدْعُوكَ إِلَى النِّزَالِ Then I ask you to go back across the trench where you came from. That's the offer I make to you. Those are my two offers. Either accept Islam or then just go right back across the trench. I'll let you go. So he says, Lima ibn Akhi. For wallahi ma uhibu anaktulak. He says, why? He says, why? You're afraid to fight me? Because he says that I can understand. I wouldn't I don't want to kill you. Amr, he responds to Ali radiallahu ta'ala by saying, Why? Why? Why are you offering me this? Afraid to fight me? Don't worry, I don't want to kill you. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, Lakini wallahi uhibu anaktulak. He says, trust me, I ain't got no problem killing you. Right? I have no problem dealing with you. So Amr became really furious when he heard this response. And he charged in the direction of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu dodged his strike towards him. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu with one strike finished him on the spot. And the some of the narrations describe it in quite a bit of gruesome detail, but basically saying that Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's sword just completely pierced through him. Another narration also mentions that when he came across and he started, you know, screaming, May you badizu, may you badizuni, may you badizuli, who will fight me, who will fight me? Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to the Prophet Allah. Let me go fight him, a messenger of Allah. The Prophet said, Innahu Amrun Ijlis. The Prophet said, Ali, you know you're special to me. That's Amr. That ain't no scrub. Right? That's a fierce fighter, Amr. Sit down. No, no, no. You're not fighting Amr. Then again, he started saying, Allah Rajulun Yabrus. There's no men here who will fight me. So, and he started calling people out by names. And again, again Ali ta'ala anhu said, Ya Rasul, Ana Ya Rasulullah, let me go and fight him. And again, the Prophet said, Ijlis. Then the third time he started calling out again. And again, Ali ta'ala anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, Ana, please let me go. And he said, Innahu Amrun, this is Amr. And Ali ta'ala anhu said, Wa in kana Amran, I know it's Amr. But trust me, O Messenger of Allah, please. The Prophet said, okay, go. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, at that time when he goes there, he asks him, man anta? Amr says, man anta? And he says, ana Ali. This is Ali. He says that, Ibn Abdi Munaf, you're Ali from Banu Hashim? And he says, ana Ali ibn Abi Talib. Yes, I'm the son of Abu Talib. He says, ghayrak ibn akhi. Send somebody else, not you. Wa amamika man huwa asannu mink. He said, send me a man. You're too young. You're a boy. Send me a man. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu at that time, he says, send me somebody older. You're a boy. Send me a man. He says, فَإِنِّي أَكْرَهُ أَنْ أُغْرِيقَ دَمَكَ Because I'd hate to kill a boy. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, لَكِنِّي وَاللَّهِ لَا أَكْرَهُ أَنْ أُغْرِيقَ دَمَكَ He says, but I ain't got no problem killing you. So he got really angry and furious at that time and that's when he attacked Ali radiallahu anhu and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu dodged him and then finished him off with his sword. And when this happened, now this is something that I wanted to mention. This is obviously, I, this is why telling a story like this, that's why I gave you the context in the beginning. Consider their circumstances. But look at the honor of the Prophet 
when they killed him, at that time, the mushrikun, because Amr, this man Amr ibn Abdiwud, he was considered like a hero to the Meccans and to the Quraysh. So they sent a message saying, let us come and uh, take the body of Amr so that we can bury him properly and we can pay our respects. Let us have his body. He's considered a hero amongst us. And they said that we will pay you 10,000 dirham, like $10,000 for you surrendering his dead body to us. Just transferring his dead body to us will pay you $10,000. Now I want us to go back and revisit what we talked about previously. The Muslims did not have enough food to eat. The only way they had eaten for days was through a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ, where one little small pot of food, a little bowl of stew, through a miracle, a mu'ajizah of the Prophet ﷺ fed 800 people. People had stones tied to their stomachs. People were writhing, twisting and you know, rolling around on the ground in pain, pangs of hunger. That was the situation of Muslims. They're offering $10,000, $10,000 him. Let us just have his dead body. That seems like an opportunity. But it don't matter whether it's war. We have a code we live by. We have principles that we conduct ourselves with. Honor and dignity. That's what our Iman teaches us. Even in the most difficult of circumstances, even in war. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Who alakum? You can come and take his body. La naakulu thaman al mauta. We do not charge people for the bodies of their dead. No, no, no. We do not consider money that would be taken in exchange for taking a dead body to pay to take to take care of the dead body, offer whatever funeral rites." The money that would be taken from that, we do not consider it halal, it is not permissible for us. Please come and take his body. That was the honor of the Messenger of Allah That is the legacy of Muhammad That even in this situation of war, we have principles, we have integrity, we have dignity, we have honor. So inshallah, just so that it doesn't go too much longer, uh, there's a few more incidents I wanted to kind of mention, but I'll go ahead and conclude here today, inshallah, with that note and that lesson, and then inshallah we'll continue on from here in the next session. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to practice everything that was said and heard. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallah bihamdik, nashadu la ilaha illa anta nasaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. At a small request of, um, particularly we have a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of folks who are tuned in online or maybe even listening to the recording afterwards, um, that alhamdulillah in order to be able to keep up with the series, uh, with the podcast and all the different lectures and the recordings, uh, we have a very easy way that you're able to do that. Um, I know that everyone has a cell phone and everyone's probably been itching to take their cell phone out and look at it uh, for the last few minutes. Uh, if you text the word Qalam, Q-A-L-A-M, to the number 66866. That's the number 66866. You text the word Qalam to it. What that will do is that will subscribe you to our email where you'll receive all the recordings, all the lectures, all the different programs that we're conducting. And as we continue to release, inshallah, all the lectures and the recordings, inshallah, you'll have access to all of that. So just text the word Qalam to 66866. Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum.